and welcome again to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. Hello again, I'm Christine Burns. At least 11% of Britain's population falls into the category of black or minority ethnic. Yet that umbrella term conceals a huge diversity in itself. Although it's tending to think in terms of some of the most obvious groups, like people who've originated from Africa, the West Indies or Asia, or those from the Middle East, it's easy to forget all the other backgrounds that people might have. Irish people are an ethnic group, for instance, so are white Europeans from the enlarged European community. Do these backgrounds matter to second and third generation children of people who've made Britain their new home over the last century? And how are any of us to learn all the ways in which people differ in order to offer consideration and respect? With me for this episode is Rushi Munchi, Northwest Regional Director of the Council for Ethnic Minority Voluntary Sector Organisations, or SEMVO. Rushi, welcome to Just Plain Sense. Um, first of all, can I be personal and ask you a little bit about your own background? Oh, gosh. Uh, where do I start? Um I started working as a freelance consultant um, and my background is arts. So it was, you know, in the field of arts. Um, I undertook, you know, feasibility study of, you know, British Asian theatre, for example, you know, at the time. And then I was running, you know, uh, workshops in schools and community centres on uh, how to use, you know, video and how to edit it and so on and so forth. And then I managed to get into... Um, um, sort of uh, a part-time job of, you know, uh, arts officer. And they were so impressed, you know, with my work. In the first six months, they offered me a full-time job and, and, and the rest is the history. Always wanted to do, uh, to be, uh, you know, a principal arts officer. And that's what I, I, I achieved. And when I was promoted to the post of, you know, principal arts officer for Rotherham Council, I was the, I think, only ethnic minority person in that position in the north of England. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really, you know, proud of it. Um, and in, in, you know, early 2002, I changed my job and I started working as a regional director for SEMVO. Mm-hmm. So since then, you know, I've been with, you know, SEMVO. Okay. So so what is SEMVO as an organization? What, where, is, where are its roots? Okay. SEMVO stands for Council of Ethnicity Voluntary Sector Organizations. It was set up in March 1999 as a result of 350 consultative meetings up and down the country. Mm-hmm. And there were four people who undertook you know, this consultation process, and they were Lord Amir Bhatia, mm-hmm. Lord Usli, mm-hmm. Baroness Usha Parashar, and Trevor Phillips. Mm-hmm. And what they found out, that, that there were some you know, very common themes with regards to black and minority, I think, voluntary sector, they were in terms of, you know, lack of engagement, lack of capacity, lack of capability, lack of engagement in decision-making process, etc., etc. But what they also found out, that for BME people, the first point of contact is their own voluntary sector organizations via faith organizations. Mm-hmm. So if the, um, you know, what they thought that if the voluntary sector is weak, services they provide to the community will be weak, therefore the community will be weak. With that view in, in, in mind, they set up uh, SEMBO. So, yeah, I mean, SEMBO has been established for nearly 10 years now. 
as a national level organization it is a national level organization um and i'm a regional director for the northwest region and and so how does it work regionally then um gosh that number of different layers mm-hmm. um um you know of of you know my work uh, first and foremost uh, our our prime function is to support and develop um black and minority ethnic volunteer sector in the region and currently i have about 700 organizations on my database across the region so that itself is a challenge so you know so this could be very very small local voluntary sector organizations absolutely absolutely as small as you know turnover of you know 4 to 5000 pound per annum mm-hmm. going up to a turnover of you know near enough to you know a million pounds mm-hmm. but most of them they are very small and they are very diverse organizations um so they provide you know services in relation to for example you know health uh, or they focus on you know women's issues or young people's issues regeneration projects counseling services elderly people's group so on and so forth now you know in my own lifetime i've seen an enormous change in the in just the obvious makeup of britain uh, and i think that's not just in people's faces and dress but in the influences we see in our cities the cuisine shops you know, religious institutions how do you feel that the country has changed the most i think the country has changed the most in relation to cultural diversity mm-hmm. visible cu- cultural diversity i'm talking about mm-hmm. for example when you go on high streets now you see lots and lots of you know indian takeaways or indian restaurants or italian restaurants so it's ch- it has changed a lot um you know as you were saying earlier what do i not see is that kind of you know cohesion or visibility within the community you know it's i still feel you know it's a bit you know fragmented and we could do you know more about that so as a society we've sort of without almost without thinking we've adopted things like you're thinking of curry as one of our national dishes and and yet in other areas the, the cohesion just doesn't seem to be working because people sort of fall into small geographic areas within cities and absolutely absolutely and of course the the press seem to portray multiculturalism as a, as a problem do you think that's a fair picture I don't think so. I don't think so. The multiculturalism is, you know, brought in by newspapers only whenever there is any negative story. Mm. Um, you know, uh, something has happened, you know, somewhere in the world and they think, ah, you know, let us highlight that and and so on and so forth. Um what is not happening is, you know, similar kind of, you know, a uh, high profile of stories for positive news. Mm. Um and what has happened is you know as a result you know you see very fewer role models from minority ethnic communities yeah I, i suppose it's similar in a way with age as well isn't it we've we've really sort of realizing now that we've created a society in which we are afraid of our young people because the only messages we hear about young people are doing bad things absolutely absolutely and there are i mean believe me you know sort of i, I mean again you know i work you know very closely with young people or organizations who are working with you know young people and not just you know sort of you know minority ethnic you know across mm-hmm. the board there are so many highly motivated highly intelligent you know very very capable young people mm-hmm. uh, but again you know as we were saying earlier there's a lack of you know role model there's a lack of mechanism to support them to develop them because you know uh, according to press they all are hoodies they all do you know negative things 
And it, it must be pretty tough growing up thinking that people think of you that way. Oh gosh, I'm, 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 I think you know, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm not in that age group. Mm. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have known you know, how to progress you know, my career. Mm. But I think also people may be a bit f- afraid of multiculturalism in the sense of being... So people talk about political correctness, uh, but, but really it comes down to being afraid to engage with people because of being frightened of offending they're not, they're not sure what they can say or do, which isn't going to create a problem. Yeah, but somebody needs to start somewhere, even if it is wrong, to just apologize and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. But that's how you increase your knowledge. That's how you increase your confidence in talking to, you know, uh, people from your know, different backgrounds. I mean, given, you know, current role of, you know, media, and I'm talking about, you know, sort of, you know, media and its you know, wider sense, I, you know, internet and podcasts and broadcasts and you know, what have you, you know, you can go on internet and find huge amount of information. Mm-hmm. You can build your knowledge of you know, different cultures, different people, you know, just by going on internet. Okay. A, a thought's just occurred to me because I think a lot of the you know, with, you know, English people, British people are not very good at foreign languages. And part of the reason I know for that is, you know, the fear of getting it wrong. And not being, you know, not feeling that you can just sort of muddle along and say something and be understood. Whereas we take it for granted that when people visit Britain, they may not have perfect English, but they can they can make themselves understood. And we don't actually mind that. And do we perhaps need to teach people that it's okay to muck along and to 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 be able to laugh at making mistakes? I think you know those people who feel that you know uh, they cannot communicate with you know people who has, you know, English as a second language. Mm. I think they've got a huge surprise and shock, you know, coming to their way. Mm. Look at, you know, new migrant community in this, in, in this, you know, country. And I'm not talking just, you know, from, you know, Asia or Africa or, you know, what have you. I'm just talking about European Union. Mm. You see, you know, number of, you know, Polish people. You see number of, you know, Italians. You see number of, you know, French people. <laughs> Classic example, you know, last weekend, you know, we went for shopping. And... I don't know, you know, uh, it was in, you know, Trafford Center. And we came across at least six or seven salespeople in different you know, departmental stores. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they were talking, you knew or, or we knew that, you know, they have, you know, English as a second language. Mm-hmm. We also knew that, you know, they are from, you know, European Union and not from, you know, sort of, you know, uh, far afield. So the whole landscape is changing. And, 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 and people need to adapt to this you know, new landscape or else you know, they're going to lose out. Mm. If we, c- we come back to SEMVO now, um, what ways do you work? You, do you think you're able to represent all forms of cultural diversity? Because that's, that's, that's a big ask. Yeah, we try to. We try to. Um, you know, just like you know, somebody says, oh, are, you, are you providing you know, voice for you know, ethnic minority sector? And I said, no, we are just one of the voices. Mm. Yeah, you can't provide the voice, you know, of the sector. And I think I think you know it's it's very true um, in relation to you know sort of you know your question as well. Although you know I try and work with you know as many diverse organizations as possible, um, it's it's not always always you know sort of you know feasible to to um, you know address the needs of you know each and every sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know uh, I've worked with you know sort of uh, elderly people's group women's group, youth groups, um, disabled groups, um, ethnic minority in, in general. Um, so I try and work you know, with as many organizations as possible. 
I mean, I also interacted with organizations who mainly work with um, um, offenders and ex-offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who provide services in health, and 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 we are talking about you know uh, mild to moderate you know health problems to you know very severe you know mental health issues. Now, can I just pick up one of those because you, you you were telling me before that you've done some particular work with the Northwest Regional Offender Management Service. Would you like to tell me a bit more about that? Sure. Um, Northwest Regional Offender Manager was formed a couple of years back, and it was it was you know uh, formed or established. Um, by norms um, nationally. Norms decided to have a ROM office, which is an mm-hmm. original offender manager, mm-hmm. in each of the government office uh, in England. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, you know, they, uh, they established, you know, Northwest Regional Offender Manager's uh, office um, based at, you know, government office in the Northwest. They wanted to address commissioning issues from point of view of uh, equality and diversity. And you know, uh, somewhere uh, in the northwest, you know, we managed to win, you know, that that contract. And basically, that that contract was was on on sort of you know uh, four different you know aspects. The first one, you know, consultation with you know minority ethnic communities, um, you know, across the region on their commissioning document. The second aspect was to look at the commissioning process of each of the provision services tease out examples of you know, good practice and disseminate that information across all the provision services in the region. The third aspect of the work was to develop an equalities forum for the ROM. And you know, we managed to bring in uh, organizations such as Health the Aged, Age Concern, Remploy, Rethink, um, Seft and Equalities Partnership, GMCVO, etc. Uh, into that equation. The idea behind this, you know, forum was not just to inform them of, you know, the commissioning process of, you know, probation services and so on and so forth and have their input with regards to equality and diversity in, into commissioning process, but also for them to influence the commissioning document itself mm-hmm. within each of the probation services. And I think, you know, that was a very, very vital point of, you know, this particular, you know, uh, contract. And the fourth aspect of the contract was to develop a training pack and also to deliver, you know, training to third sector organizations on commissioning and contracting within probation service. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, the principal goal of offender management services is to prevent reoffending and to, to help integrate people who have offended into into society. Would that be a, a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, a bit, bit, bit more than that. Um, there are two or three, you know, sort of, you know, major issues, you know, around, around you know, offenders and ex-offenders. The first one is that, you know, uh, more and more people from minority ethnic sector, um, you know, are in, in prisons, you know, so that, you know, percentage of, you know, BME people in prisons mm-hmm. are going up and up and up. Now, it has, you know, profound effect on their, you know, families and friends mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. That's one issue. The other issue is when they come out of the prison, or in other words, you know, they become ex-offenders, mm-hmm. there's a huge issue um, for, uh, you know, their inclusion in the community, acceptance, you know, within the family, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, not having, you know, a job, mm-hmm. um, do not know, you know, the benefit systems, uh, the family, you know, uh, the, the immediate family, they, 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 you know, fall apart. 
and and so on and so forth. So the the number of issues, you know, both, you know, when people are in the prisons as well they come out of the prison. So do you think that there are some specific achievements in terms of outcomes, in, in, in terms of trying to turn that round and, and make it easier for people to integrate back into society? Well, there is no quick fix. You know, there is not a formula whereby you can say, if you apply this project or, you know, this particular scheme, we will be able to um, sort of, you know, put them back into the society or in the, into the community. What it requires are the diverse organizations delivering services to ex-offenders. Mm-hmm. Organizations who can provide services uh, which are, you know, cultural sensitive, mm-hmm. um, who knows, you know, what are the cultural issues when, you know, uh, people come out of prisons mm-hmm. um, with regards to, you know, their immediate family, mm-hmm. um, with regards to employment issues, etc., etc. Um, so I think I think it's a two-way process. It's not just you know about you know offenders and ex-offenders. It's also about you know providing you know diverse services relevant to the people who become ex-offenders. Mm. Well, that, um, that, that's obviously crucially important work, isn't it, from the, from the point of view of, of sort of social cohesion and uh, and and a, you know, a successful society overall. Absolutely, absolutely. We want to bring ex-offenders back into the society. Mm-hmm. We want them to be successful. We want them to go into education. We want them to go into employment. And we want them to become a role model for their you know, own community. And therefore, I think you know, this project was you know, very, very important. Mm. Now, you've done some other work with the North, Northwest BME Third Sector Partnership. Would you like to tell me about that? That's right. Um, <laughs> this is, this is you know, one, of the, you know, one of my you know, pet projects. Um, what happened was you know, we have been you know, uh, delivering capacity building program, you know, across the region. Um, and there were, you know, about 44 organizations who went through our structured capacity building program. And when I say structured, our capacity building officers had to complete MBA in voluntary sector management mm-hmm. before, you know, they went out and worked with, you know, minority ethnic groups uh, in the region. Number two, we also developed a diagnostic toolkit that covered nine areas of organizational development. Mm-hmm. So it started you know, right from you know, governance and, 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 and constitution, and it went up to ICT strategy. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, 360-degree review of the organizations. So these 44 organizations, they successfully completed you know, our capacity building program. Subsequently, we came up with another idea of you know, benchmarking to capacity build some other organizations in the region. Now, there are about, you know, 54 organizations who went through the program. Now, I've been bringing, you know, all these, you know, 90-odd organizations, you know, together on a regular basis. And what they were saying that, look, you know, it's we all have, you know, very similar, you know, policies, processes, systems, etc. However, we are very small um, in relation to, you know, providing a voice within the area. Or uh, when we go want, want to go for, you know, sort of, you know, bigger money, i.e., you know, we want to go for tendering um, or major contracting uh, opportunities. So I started, you know, sort of, you know, developing a terms of reference. And eventually, you know, they decided to become a consortium. Mm-hmm. So on 21st of April this year, um, we launched Northwest BME Third Sector Consortium. It's one of its kind in the country. Um and even the cabinet office, you know, they asked for a case study on this, you know, political consortium because it's a completely new approach, very fresh approach, 
Samvo's role was only as a facilitator mm-hmm. and as an, an uh, empowerer rather than, you know, uh, hijacking the whole project. So say, for example, you know, I'm part of, you know, board of directors, but I do not hold any official position. Mm-hmm. And if they wish to, you know, make any, any application or, you know, what have you, Samvo is prepared to become an accountable body mm-hmm. before, you know, they establish their own track record in terms of, you know, delivery of the program of, you know, a large amount of money. Now, just to wind up, um, Trevor Phillips of the Equality and Human Rights Commission has talked about a nation at ease with its own diversity. Do you think we're on track towards that? Doesn't look like it. Um, I think it, it depends, you know, which sector you are coming from. Mm. Um, for example, within the public sector, there's much more awareness to do with you know cultural diversity and uh, equality and so on and so forth you go to private sector and there's much less awareness of you know all the issues to do with you know community cohesion and and you know, what have you you go into rural area mm. and they will say what is equality what is cohesion Yeah, so there's, n- there's no one single picture. Absolutely. There's no one single picture or there's no one single formula to say that, you know, if we do one, two, and three, you know, we all will be singing from the same hymn sheet. Mm. So I think, I think you know, we are a bit, you know, far away to achieve that. But do you think we can? I'm sure we can. If there is a willingness, if there is a commitment in all of us from any society, um, whatever background we come from, I'm sure, you know, we can. Rishi, thank you very much. Thank you. Rishi Munshi there, the Regional Director of SEMVO. And for more information about SEMVO, see their website. That's www.semvo.org.uk. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Just Plain Sense. If you've enjoyed it, then there are plenty of previous programmes to listen to at our own website. That's podcast.plain-sense.co.uk. You can also subscribe to our feed there and be informed the moment new programmes are available. For now, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. And remember, Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense Limited production. <laughs>